The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Babrigas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And if you want to expand your mind and get all the truth, but listen to every program, all parts, just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You'll get your login immediately. And we'll enjoy hundreds and hundreds of hours of truth. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, or have a guest suggestion, or simply have feedback, I always love to hear from you. Click on the contact button of our website. And tonight we discuss the real meanings of the Tetragrammaton and the word Elohim, and how the world has been duped by those who turn things upside down. How this name game is part of the dialectic, a mechanism of the fallen that has been used to control us from the beginning. The real context of the Bible and genetics and how this is hidden within allegories all throughout the Bible. Why it is crucial to use the logograms of the cuneiform to understand the meanings of the stories in the Bible and why no pastor knows this fact. What is the meaning of the word apocalypse and how it's happening right now? How the soul is incarcerated within the DNA and how the elite want to keep it that way? And the real agenda of CERN that no one is talking about and how it is connected to the crucifixion and a cycle of death? All of this with Dr. Scott McQuaid, an internationally acclaimed author and lecturer known around the world for his research into ancient texts. And since he's a veteran of this radio program, he does not need a formal introduction. Dr. McQuaid has only one goal in mind, teaching the truth so you can be free. And his website are linked right on ours. And directly from Mount Vernon, Ohio, I'm privileged to welcome my friend, Dr. Scott McQuaid, back to Veritas. Hello, Scott, and welcome back. Well, hello, Mel. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. It's my pleasure. It's been a couple of years, and you always come up with new information, new research, and tonight is not going to be an exception. So I'm really looking forward to enlightening me more, to removing the veil, and to give definition to the real meaning of certain words that have been placed in our psyche, but they're, they seem to be incorrectly placed there for a reason. Is that correct? That is absolutely accurate, yes. 
you know, the the powers that be that govern our world, uh, I'm talking at a very high level, they know as a fact that the power of the word or the control of the word is everything. And this this bleeds over into to Christianity in another way, what they call the Bible the Word, or Jesus the Word, and different things like this. And these kind of these kind of things have found their way into our our religious vernacular and in our everyday vernacular. But the fact is, the power that they wield comes from controlling words, and the Bible intimates this. But it's very important to understand how to un understand the Bible. And I, I guess before I, I really get going here, I, I want to say something that I think is really important to your audience, and that is um, the work that I do uh, involves uh, understanding the words in the Bible and the Sumerian language, and I have uncovered a tremendous amount of information from the Bible. And I know that, <clears throat> pardon me, there's a cross-section of your listeners they come from all walks of life, Mel. Some are religious, some are not. Um, right. But one of the mistakes that some that so many people make is they they think that the Bible is simply a religious book, when in reality the Bible, as I've discovered over tens of thousands of hours of in-depth research and exegesis, is a literal treasure trove of information that has been compiled over thousands of years and it's like a powder keg and it's extremely important that we understand what the these books within the bible and these stories are trying to tell us some people for instance will say well you know the the story of jesus for instance that's a that's a retelling of older stories that come from uh the uh, Babylonians and the Sumerians and the Greeks and the Romans and others about uh, the Savior God that was born of a virgin and that died on the cross and that uh, rose again with Mithra and Kingu and Dionysus and Horus and all this. So we're just going to discard this. And they throw out the Bible with the bathwater, so to speak. Well, that is a terrible mistake to make. The question we need to be asking ourselves is, why have the powers that be that control the word, meaning you can say the, uh, the Bible. When I say the word, you can think of it as the Bible, or you can think of it as just words. Why have those who control the word gone to such great lengths over the millennia to repeat these stories in the different religions and the different cultures? And it is because there is a power greater than them that compels them to tell us the truth. They are held accountable by an ancient law that they must give us the truth, even if it's done in a shrouded manner. And I'm here to tell you that the story of Jesus on the cross and all this, and other stories in the Bible that are repeated from ancient cultures, like the story of Adam in Eden, the story of Noah, the story of, uh, um, of um, Mordecai and, and Esther, which is Marduk and Ishtar, um, all these different stories and many more are repeated because they contain incredible, life-changing, and emancipating truth within them. The problem is, and I, I tell you, that I say this in all humility, but it's a fact. The truth of these stories has been hidden for thousands of years until 
I developed the method of exegesis to uncover the meaning of these stories. And I realize that that may sound like a bold statement to some of your listeners, but you see, these things were foretold. They were foretold to be unveiled in other cultures predating the Bible, but they're, um, they were told to be unveiled at the time of the end within the Bible also. Let me ask Daniel's, you this. I don't mean to interrupt yeah, you, but I'm so glad you're opening certainly. certain doors. And I don't mean to for anybody to get offended tonight, folks, because what we want is the truth. And I'm, I'm sure you're, you're mentioning Mordecai and Esther being Marduk and Ishtar. And we can talk about Horus and Isis and Jesus mm-hmm. and Mary. But the right. Bible has 66, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a Bible scholar, but 66 books in total, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. Right. But why is, why is it that certain material or additional books, take the Book of Enoch, as an example, why isn't this book included? Who decides if there's such a thing as the Word of God to remove material that was intended to be part of this collection of books? Why? Well, see, that's an excellent question. Because if you ask Christians about the Bible, they will say that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. Right. And that, and they say that, you know, you cannot take away or add to it. Because it's that's largely taken from a verse in Revelation that says you'll be cursed if you add to or take away from this book. But that was in reference to the single book of Revelation itself. Because at the time when these things were compiled, they were not a single body called the Bible. They were in scrolls and manuscripts that were separate from each other. They were compiled to create a codex or a canon that we now call the Bible. And if it were really true that we can't take away or add to the Bible, well, Second Timothy 2.15 would not be accurate and says – in order to be good workmen that are pleasing to God, that do not need to be reprimanded by God, we need to rightly divide the word of truth, which is the Greek word orthotomeo, and it means to cut. Furthermore, if it were actually true that we couldn't take away from this this codex or this canon of material, then the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Trent, and other councils that have met over the centuries would not have removed entire books such as Enoch and first and second Esdras and Jubilees and Jasher, many of which are actually spoken of in the Bible, but they did. And they've taken it upon themselves to do that. Um, so, you know, we, we are left with what we have now. Also, actually, we can look to those other books too. Those books are available to us. But what I'm here to tell you is that no matter which of those books you study, whether it's something that's outside of the Bible or still in the canon of Scripture, the truth of these stories is absolutely unobtainable without going back to a more ancient language, and that is the Sumerian and the writing of the cuneiform. The Bible also tells us this. Jeremiah 6.16 says that Jeremiah told the people, that they were not to go into the ways of Babylon, which is where we are right now. He said, instead, seek the old path, wherein is the good way, where you'll find rest for your soul. And this is a, this is a reference to an ancient path. The word old there is olam, and it means ancient, but it means enduring. And he wasn't talking to Christians. He, he was, this is a, a message for humanity. Asu, or who Christians call Jesus, also reiterated this same mandate in the New Testament when he said that we were to follow him because he was the good way and he would give us rest for our souls in the book of Matthew. 
He is the same one Jeremiah was referring to as the ancient path because the book of Isaiah refers to him as the ancient of days. But what does this mean? He was the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he was a personification. This is extremely important to understand. So what he was actually saying was, follow the truth and you'll have rest for your soul. And again, he was not talking to Christians. Absolutely not talking to Christians. They like to think that he was. He was giving a message to humanity because he knew a secret that the powers that be also know, which is why they've gone to such great lengths to hide the truth from you that will provide rest for your soul. And that secret is your soul is in prison. It is incarcerated in the most literal sense that we can imagine. And the bars of your prison are your DNA. This is what he was referring to. And those who wrote those words and attributed them to him, calling him, calling them the truth, knew this long, long ago. And they understood that our captors control the word, thereby control us, because we are literally assets to them. And this is one of the just mind-blowing things that I am coming across in my research is the fact that we are, we were manufactured to be an asset and we are assets to the powers that be. So let me, let me go back a little bit, if I may, Mel, and, and kind of provide a foundation for this so your listeners can know beyond the shadow of a doubt, uh, where I draw these things from and, uh, that they are true. We are told, again, we have a story in Genesis, beginning in the very first chapter of the Bible, about creation. And this same creation story was told other places too, in the Hindu texts, in the Babylonian texts, and in the, in the Jewish texts, and in the, in the uh, Sumerian Enuma Elish. It's the same story. You have Adam in the Bible, who is Adama in the Sumerian and Babylonian text. You have Eden in the Bible, which is the Eden in the Sumerian text. You have Adam being created by a potter in the Bible. And you have the uh, story of Adam being created in clay pots in the Sumerian text, which are created by a potter. And you have all of these similarities except the one distinguishing thing about uh, these stories, the one thing that separates the biblical rendition from the Sumerian rendition, is the name of the Creator. And this is one of the most important points that humanity can ever understand right here. Because it is, it's extremely elucidating, and it cuts through the misconceptions like a hot knife through butter. So let me explain what is going on here. The figure that is creating man in Genesis 1, the name of these figures is called Elohim. There's a problem with this, though, because that word Elohim is, is translated as God, and that word never means God, ever. It means angels, rulers, judges, and um, magistrates. Okay, and and gods with a little g plural. I was going to say never, it's not singular; it's plural. Absolutely, and not a reference to God as the supreme being, but a little g, 
in plural. Well, that should be the first red flag to people who are truly interested in knowing the truth and want to find out what's going on here. Um, so these entities say, as you go down through that chapter there, they say, let us – again, they're referring to a body of individuals, body of entities – let us make man in our image. And the very next verse says, so they created man. And people say, well, Dr. McQuay, what is the big deal here? You're just, you're just giving an overview of man's creation. No, no. There's some very specific things that are happening here. There's a, there's a reason why two words are used. The first one is make. The second one is create. They asked to make man. Like a child would ask for something from their parent, uh, uh, a cookie, let's say. Because they did not have the authority to bring about mankind, to manufacture mankind. The answer they got was no. Because the next verse reads, so they created man, which is another word in the Hebrew. Make is asa, and create is bara. So they asked to asa make, but they ended up bara, creating. And here's why that is so important. When we go to the end of that chapter, it says, So God looked and saw that everything they had made was good. This is a problem because man was not made, man was created. So what happens to something that is not good or suitable for their purposes? Well, if you go to the very next verse in the beginning of chapter 2, or it could be the end of chapter 1 depending on what version of the Bible you're using, there is there are some things going on here with man, and it's hidden though in the text within the word once again, because the f- next figure that comes on the scene here, known as the Lord God, often terribly mistranslated as the Lord God Jehovah or Yahweh, takes man from the dust, and the word dust there is literally afar, A-P-H-A-R, which means ash. It means ash. So what's going on? Where where does this word ash come from, and why do they translate it as dust instead of ash? Because they did not want humanity to understand that there was a great destruction. As a matter of fact, a cyclical destruction that took place at that point in time in that chapter. But this is the case. Man was taken from the ash. And another piece of evidence to show that this is the case are the words describing what this so-called God did after creating man and the world and other things. And those words are uh, rest and rested and blessed. And these words, although there's three of them, rested, blessed, and I think uh, – there's one more. They all mean the same thing, but they're all translated in three different ways. They're translated as uh, rested and blessed, blessed, and the other word that I can't remember right now, but they all mean to exterminate. Every single one of them means to exterminate. So man not being good was literally exterminated. Now, this flies in the face of traditional Christian views, okay? But it's the same story 
that's told over and over and over again within not just the Bible, but within the text. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.